This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Uh, before Pastor Andrew comes up, I'm going to read for us the text that he'll be preaching from today. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. That's up on the screens as well. Ephesians 2, 11 to 22. After I finish reading, I'm going to say this is God's word, and we can respond by saying, thanks be to God. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, and he came and preached to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through who him, We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is God's word. First of all, a very good morning to everyone. It's a joy and privilege to gather with God's people. It's something that we enjoy and we do not take for granted. And we thank God that we have a hall and a system that works most of the time and we do not take that for granted. So this morning, uh, we thank God for all of us here, whether you're at Zoom or in person and uh, our PA team who has been working really hard. So if you have your Bible with you, it'd be great you have them open. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 22. 
Why don't we ask God to help us? Oh, Heavenly Father, you who gave us voices and you who gather your people and you who gave us your word, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will now work in us that we may understand, we may hear, and we can respond to your word. For those of us who had a busy week, who have gone through many ups and downs, we pray, God, that you'll calm our hearts, that we may be able to hear as your word is being opened. We pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You are so stupid. That voice came as the exit of the bus opened right in front of me. I stared at, in horror at a grandmother who was trembling and fumbling with a translating card, just trying to get down the bus. Can't you hurry up? She's so stupid. The screechy voice shouted again. I saw next to her was this young teenager, barely 13 to 15. Now, I was dumbfounded for that moment. I could not believe my eyes or my years. I wanted to run to that boy who has left already just to wake him up. That I'll shake his mind up to realize what he has just done. Because I've never seen someone speaking in such condescending way to an elderly, not to mention a grandmother. She had forgotten where he came from, who brought him up, who was there to care for him when the only thing he knew was to eat and poo and repeat. I was shaken by that picture and my family knew it because it haunted me for days. And I thought to myself really hard, have I ever done that to my parents? And I prayed that I never did. And I also pray that when I'm old and struggling and fumbling with my translating card, my children or my grandchildren, God willing, will not do that to me. Now the horror of forgetting where we came from. This morning as we come to Paul's letter to his Christian readers, one of the most pointed words by the apostle to the Gentile Christians is the word, remember. Verses 11 and 12. Perhaps the start of a fading praise of God and the rise of division among Christians comes from forgetfulness. Forgetting our past, forgetting the cost, forgetting our purpose. And perhaps that's the reason why Paul always begins his letter giving thanks to God for what God has done, because we are forgetful people. Now this morning, we come to the letter of Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to 22, and Paul has words for Gentile Christians like us. Now for those who like structures, we can look at today's passage in three sections. Verses 11 to 13, remember our past. Verses 14 to 18, remember our Christ. Verses 19 to 22, remember what is the church. Would you begin with me 
from the very start of today's passage at verse 11. Paul begins verse 11 with the word, Therefore, calling to mind what he had previously explained about our past condition. Last week, if you were here, we learned that we were people, chapter 2, verse 3, deserving of God's wrath. We were dead in our transgressions and sin, verse 1 of chapter 2. We were walking dead. We were physically walking, but we were spiritually dead to our sins. In three ways, we were told that we were spiritually dead. We were spiritually dead when we followed the world to reject God's rule. We were spiritually dead when we align ourselves with the devil who is the ruler of disobedience. And we showed that we were spiritually dead by our desire to gratify the cravings of our flesh. To put it crudely, even though we were breathing, we were like spiritual stillborns. Hating for judgment. We're chained to a titanic of sin and sinking right towards God's judgment reserves for the rebellious. But then we were told everything changed in chapter 2, verse 4. But God, in His great love, His rich mercy, His incomparable grace made us alive with Christ Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to earth and to die in order that God may, chapter 2, verse 6, raise us up with Him in the heavenly realms. We are not just rescued from hell and put on neutral ground to try again. We are raised straight up to the heavenly realm and be seated with Him. And so just before today's passage, Paul tells his readers, it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And even this faith didn't come for us. This faith is a gift from God. And there is nothing for us to boast. We're saved by grace. Therefore, says Paul, having reminded us we have nothing to boast, he continues saying, remember. Look at verse 11 with me. He said, Remember that you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Now, in this first remember in verse 11, Paul was pointing out on the ongoing division between the Jews and the Gentile Christians. There was the unpleasant undercurrent of the Jews thinking themselves as more superior Christians. And meanwhile, you could imagine the indignation of the Gentile Christians mumbling under their breath, those Jewish circumcision were merely human handicraft. As Paul said it on their behalf, done in the body by human hands. Now, there were deep divisions between the Jews and Gentiles all through history. For example, the Maccabean revolt that happened 200 years before Christ 
It was fresh in the memories and embedded in the names of the Jewish children. The history goes that the Gentile oppressors were persecuting the Jews so badly that at some point they outlawed Jewish religious practice, they ordered the worshipping of the Greek god Zeus, and then they desecrated the temple by offering a pig to Zeus. It created an outroar that is so fierce that the Jews eventually revolt, reclaimed Jerusalem, and rededicated the, tape, the temple in 164 BC. You can read about this in Josephus' history on the Jewish wars. But eventually, the Jews were reconquered and ruled by Gentiles again, this time by the Romans. And the Jews had a fragile relationship with the Gentiles. Pastor Ken Hughes, in a sermon, he quoted William Barclay's words, saying that for the Jews, it was not lawful to aid a Gentile woman in giving birth, but that would bring another hidden into the world. That is the kind of strife. There were deep hostility, divisions between the Jews and Gentiles, and it could easily be felt even within the first century churches. And so it is here that Paul speaks to his most immediate readers, the Gentile Christians. Chapter 2, verse 12, Paul wanted them to remember their past. Now, since Paul was writing mainly to Gentile believers, he turns to deal with their hostility and division that were built against the Jewish brothers and sisters. Now, the question is, why would Paul want the Gentile Christians to remember their past? Well, because the fastest way to extinguish our praise and our gratitude to God and to raise our division against each other is to be forgetful. And so, verse 12, remember, says Paul, that your lack of circumcision is the evidence that you previously had no share in God's promise for the world. Now, Paul brings the Gentile believers to recognize the theological significance of the Jewish Old Testament circumcision. Circumcision was done by human hands, but it was a seal of God's covenant with his people. Now, the act of circumcision, the cutting of the foreskin of the male Jew, declares that the Jews are separated from the world. It is a reminder that the Jews were indeed set apart as God's special people with a special promise. So within this covenant, God had promised Israel a Christ. God promised a savior king, and through this Christ, Israel will be citizens of God's kingdom. They would always have hope even in the darkest night and the Jewish circumcision reminded them that they were never without the true God, even if the pagans around them are worshipping idols. But Paul wanted the Gentile Christians 
and that will have included you and me, that we did not have all of this. Verse 12 tells us we were once separated from Christ. God promised that a savior king would come through Abraham and David. The Jews had some king to look forward to. The Gentiles had none. And by implication, without God's king, we have no place in God's kingdom. And that means that Gentiles were foreigners to God's covenant, unlike the Jews. The Gentiles were without spiritual hope. We have no physical sign to tell us that there is hope when death comes for us. The Jews had, the Gentiles do not. And the Gentiles did not have God. So in saying verse 12, Paul reminded the Gentile Christians that we were once utterly separated from God. Remember where we were and who we were, Paul says to the Gentiles. But Jesus, verse 13, born through God's covenant, who came as the anointed Savior King amongst the Jews, he came, he stretched out his blood-stained hands, and he gathered us who are far away Gentiles into his bosom, into his kingdom. No, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I may not have an issue of division between us and Jews. In fact, most of us had barely any or any Jewish friends. But we must not be mistaken the relevance of Paul's call to remember. For the day we start having spiritual amnesia, will be the day our praise and thanksgiving for God starts to fade and the division amongst us will start to rise. Just this week, a dear brother from another denomination, he WhatsApp me and he wanted to find out more about Presbyterian infant baptism. So I wanted to reply him, but I was quickly reminded that I must be so careful when I reply that I will not sound divisive. Because whatever amount of water used, or even the issue of infant baptism, we must not be divided because I know both them and us want to faithfully obey the commands of the Lord. Let us not build up divisions with the hands that God has given us when Christ with his hands have brought them down. Now perhaps baptism is not something you are contentious about, but forgetfulness can bring us to build other kinds of divisions. Christians with different backgrounds may feel more superior by their spiritual experiences by their theological sharpness, by their liturgical traditions, or worse, to be divided by economic, race, or gender differences. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not mean that we should ignore wrong teachings for the sake of unity. But we must be careful not to have spiritual amnesia that draws our gratitude 
away from God and we start praying, thank God we are not like the other church. Being a predominantly Gentile church or even country, this passage should really draw us into deep gratitude that God would give us the gospel when the gospel was so far away from us. By the blood of Christ, by the blood of the Jewish messengers in the first century, by the blood of Gentile messengers for the last 2,000 years, the gospel was brought near to us, or should we say that we were brought near to Christ? Remembering what we once were, says Paul, when we are tempted to be divisive and build walls that Christ tore down with his blood-stained hands. Remember our past. Now, Paul goes on in verses 14 to 18, calling us to remember Jesus who has made himself our Christ. I want to read verse 14, 15, and 18 for us. Would you look at the passage with me? Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law. Verse 18, For through him we meaning Jews and Gentiles, both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Remember of Christ, who broke the dividing wall by setting aside the law. Now, if you have your Bible and you're looking at the passage, you'll notice after speaking to the Jews, the Gentiles, in verses 11 to 13, Paul now speaks about we, meaning Jews, and Gentiles. And he says, our Lord Jesus Christ destroyed the barrier, the dividing war or hostility by setting aside the Mosaic law that Gentiles didn't have and the Jews couldn't keep. Christ set the law aside in his flesh by fulfilling the law in himself and giving to us the benefits he had won. So because of the death of Jesus, Gentiles were no longer excluded because we had no law and circumcision, and the Jews were no longer judged because they failed to keep the laws and the promise in the circumcision. Look at verse 18 with me. Jesus in himself, he took both the Jews, the Gentiles, and together as one, sealing us with his one spirit, give us access now to God as our Father. So on that cross, by his blood, Jesus did the horizontal reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. And then together, he did the vertical reconciliation between us and God. And that is a two-way reconciliation. So the church must no longer be divided by what Christ had torn down. In fact, we read a similar account in Acts 15, verse 8 to 11. This is by the Apostle Peter. I want to read this for us. Look with me to Acts 15, verse 8. Peter said, 
God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them, the Gentiles, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us, the Jews. Because Christ did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke, the law and circumcision that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? Dear brothers and sisters, we must remember Jesus made himself our Christ, the Christ of the Gentiles as well. He made himself the savior king of both Jews and Gentile, and our Christ replaced our broken relationship with peace. Can you find the word peace if you have your Bible, verse 14 to 18? I put it on the screen, but if you have your Bible, you can see whether you can spot them. Verse 14, he himself is our peace. Verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two tasks making peace. And verse 17, Christ came and preached peace to the far away, to the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. So when the world looked at the church in the first century, they should be totally amazed and perplexed to see Jews and Gentiles sitting together, eating together, laughing together, putting hands around each other because there's no COVID, and they are able to call God their common father. And so they were brothers and sisters. It was meant to be that way, the perplexing view of churches. Now, I can never forget my own impression 12 years ago uh, when I was uh, in a church in in Perth. We're having this service right at uh, the University of Western Australia in a lecture theater. So I was there, everybody's up there as I'm looking. Um, One of my good friends' father came from India to Australia and he was there. So I saw next to him was this white young student wearing singlets, shorts, boy shorts, and no shoes. And he, coming from India, dressed in his Sunday best, a black man with shirt and tie and suits and polished leather shoes. Can you see the awkwardness between the two of them as they sat next to each other? One felt overdressed, the other felt naked. But as they start singing and praising God, what I noticed was they tried to fit to each other. The guy with the singlet was looking around trying to find a a jacket to wear or sweater to wear. And the guy, my my friend's father, he was taking off his suit and as he sings, he he started rolling up his shirt and then the tie went off. And by the time the service over, I think we really had a good time because they were having lunch that we shared together. That is the most awkward but most beautiful picture that Christ had done. And that was how the church in the first century was meant to be. That the world see the long hatred seems to be out of the window when the Jews and Gentiles love each other and call each other family. What Christ has brought together by his blood, let not pride and forgetfulness divide. 
So number one, remember our past. We had no share, but Christ brought us near. Number two, remember our Christ. He broke down the dividing wall with his nail-scarred hands, reconciling us with each other and with God. Now, if you were to ask, why would Jesus do that? But the answer is in verse 15. I wonder if you can see it. The answer is this. Jesus did that because we belong to him. Verse 15 says, Jesus' purpose was to create himself one new people. We belong to him. It was the same as God's cosmic purpose in chapter 1, verse 10, that he will put all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We belong to him. Chapter 1, verse 13, we were marked in Christ with the seal of God's one Holy Spirit. We belong to him. Chapter 1, verse 18, we are reminded as a church was to be Jesus' glorious inheritance that God the Father is giving to him. We belong to him. And chapter 123, the church is the body of Christ. We belong to Christ. Now, our salvation is personal, but it is not individualistic. Our salvation cannot be separated from what it means to be Christ's church. And so we come to the last section of today's passage in verses 19 to 22, where we need to remember what it means to be the church of Christ. Would you look at 19 to 22 with me? Now, since Paul was speaking to the Gentile Christians, he goes back to the language of you. And what does the church mean for you, Gentile Christians? Now, there are three things, Gentile Christians, we should remember as we get as Christ's church. Um, this is uh, from a book by Austin. In his book on Ephesians, he put it this way. Politically, Gentile Christians are now part of God's people. Verse 19, we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but citizens. Domestically, Gentile Christians, we are now part of God's new family. Verse 19, a member of God's household. And spiritually, Gentile Christians are now part of God's new temple, the very place he dwells by his spirit. The Jews no longer need to go to the Jerusalem temple because Christ is in them. The Gentiles no longer have to find a replacement because they, along with the Jews, are God's temple, the place where His Spirit dwells. Now, dear brothers and sisters, see how far we have come from facing God's wrath chained to a titanic worth of sin sinking right into judgment, we are now being brought into the heavenly realm and to be called the dwelling place of God. No, dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, the church stands only because Christ is the center, the gravitational pull of everything and reconciling all. He is the chief cornerstone, verse 20. And the church grows only through the words of Christ as proclaimed by the apostle 
and the prophets. In verse 20 again, the apostolic and prophetic words recorded in the Bible is our foundation. Without Christ, the church will not stand. Without his word, the church will not grow. Now, dear friends, if you are listening up to this point and you're not a Christian, but an explorer, can I invite you to consider the message that is proclaimed and the offer that is made to you? What we had no rights to offer you in the past has been given to us. So now we are recipients of God's grace are telling you what we have received that you too may have this relationship with God and to be the dwelling place of God through His Spirit. If you're still new to the good news of Jesus, uh, can I invite you to sign up for the upcoming series called Life Explored? Our brother Ed will mention it during announcements later. Now, there are more to be said in the coming weeks and chapters, but today's passage is a clear exhortation for Christians, particularly Gentile Christians, that if I take a look, it will be all of us. We must remember our past. We must remember the horizontal and vertical peace when Christ made himself our Christ. And we must remember we are part of God's people, God's family, and God's temple. And we share in that one spirit by him we call God our Father. The church is not divisive, individualistic, privatized religion. We are Christ's inheritance. The church should be a place where the world will look in and be perplexed and amazed. Not because we are divisive, prideful, or entitled, but because we are willing to pull down man-made divisions because of what our Lord Jesus has done to bring us into his presence. So dear brothers and sisters, as we close, let us not forget so that we will not gather with spiritual wars like the physical ones we see when we go to restaurants at the moment. Not think that there is a business class or economic class Christians. Rather, we are one because we have that one spirit and so with thanksgiving to Jesus, our Christ, we can sing praise to God, our Father. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that you brought us near. You know we have spiritual amnesia so often that we raise divisions because we forget that Christ has pulled them down. Father, we pray today that you help us as a Gentile church in majority, in a Gentile country as a majority, that we will not forget that Christ draw us near to him by bringing the gospel out here to us. 
May your name be glorified on the final day when the whole creation looks in and see what your grace had achieved. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I've got two um, discussion questions, just so you have a chance to chat with each other. So the first one is, what human walls are we tempted to build among Christians that Christ tore down with his blood? And number two, what do we need to remember as Christians? So just a couple of minutes, and um, Ed will come back later. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.